family of faith, how is everyone doing this morning? Whoa. Let's try again. How's everyone doing this morning? Amen. We are here and ready to worship Jesus. I want to welcome you to church. If this is your very first time, welcome home is how we like to say it around here. Welcome to church. There's a card in the back of the pew that says, let's get connected. If you'll fill that out and take it out to the Welcome Center, or there's also a QR code, too, on the back of the pews that you can fill out as well. But welcome to church. We are so glad that you are here. Also, too, we have a prayer team here that is very important to our church, and they are walking around holding prayer cards. They got prayer cards holding up. What does that mean? It means if you have a prayer request, if you have a need, something you're believing God for, something you're using your faith for, fill it out on that prayer request and get, they'll come back around and pick it up from you, or you can drop it off at the big desk out there. We pray first here at Only Believe. Prayer is very important to what we do, and we pray on the first Saturday of the month. So if you got one, just hold your hand on up. They will get to you and fill out that prayer request. Also, too, I got one big exciting announcement. Love Your Marriage is happening this Friday. So look, Jim. Look, <laughs> he just got caught, that's all. I just happened to look at him. <laughs> look at your spouse, if your spouse is here, and say, you're coming with me to love your marriage. Do it, David. You're coming with me to love your marriage, because even though we've been married for 20 plus years, there's still things we can always improve upon, right? There's always things we can work on. So I encourage you, bring someone with you. If you've got coworkers, if you've got friends, Bring them with you. There will be food and child care here available as well. All righty. Today we have something super exciting. Not just Pastor Tim. He's exciting too. But we have a baptism today. A water baptism. So I'm going to hand it right on over to Pastor Tim. Public. So I have two questions for you, Brianna. Have you confessed Jesus as Lord? Yes. And are you committed to following Jesus the rest of your life? Yes. All right. With that public confession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah. Let's have a great church today. If you would stand on your feet this morning, we are going to praise our one King. Amen. What I see, oh, I see lightning, I hear thunder, something stirring six feet under, dead things coming back to life again, I believe there's about to be another resurrection. Oh, I see signs and I see wonders. I see bursts of living color. Dead things coming back to life again. I believe there's about to be another resurrection. 
alive. Wake up, sleeper. He is risen. We are risen with him. Oh, hallelujah, it is finished. See the grave, nobody in it. Dead things coming back to life again. I believe there's about to be another resurrection. If you see what I see, that the grave is empty, then you know what I know. Anything is possible. Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? Do you see? I see signs and I see wonders. What I see, I see lightning and I hear thunder. Something stirring six feet under. Come alive, wake up, sleeper. He is risen. We.
a vagabond. Oh, yes. And just when I ran out the road, I met a man I didn't know. And he told me that I was not alone. He picked me up, turned me around, placed my feet on solid ground. I think the master, I think the savior. No choice but to believe my doubts are burning like ashes in the wind. Oh, yes, to so long to my old friends. Oh, burden and bitterness, you can just keep it moving. No, you ain't welcome here. Oh, no, from now till I walk the streets of gold. I sing of how you saved my soul. This way when sun has found its way back home. Oh, he picked me up, turned me around, placed my feet on solid ground. I think the master, I think the savior. Lost another one. I come on, we're free in this place today through Jesus. Come on. Oh, hell lost another one. I am free. I am free. I am free. Hell lost another one. I am free. I am free. I am free. Hell lost another one. take communion together as a family of faith if you would make your way down and grab some communion take it back to your seat don't take it yet we're going to take it all together as we close out this song hell lost another one i am free oh yes i am free oh i am free, I am free. hell lost another one oh i am free oh i am free oh hell lost another one Because he healed my heart, changed my 
get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, oh, get up out of that grave. Oh, get up, get up, get up. church family we're going to take communion together and uh, I just want to remind us um, kind of the heart behind communion as we get ready to take it you know Adam and Eve in the garden when they sinned something catastrophic took place their relationship with God their relationship with the father had been severed in a very unique way the Lord describes it as death that you've died and there's there's a death that took place in this relationship and what we see further is not only does the relationship with God become corrupted what we see is the relationship with each other Adam and Eve's relationship it's severed in a unique way as well and they're all of a sudden ashamed of themselves in front of each other and they're blaming each other And so what we see in sin is that not only does our relationship with God get affected but our relationship with people gets affected in a significant way as well but Jesus told us at the last supper with his disciples he tells them hey this bread this is a new covenant I'm, I'm establishing a new thing today. And this, this bread is going to represent my body, which in a few short hours they would see his body begin to be broken brutally. And he was brutally murdered. The Bible says that he was beaten so bad that he was beyond recognition. Like you couldn't tell he was a man. That's how bad he was beaten. And Jesus said, so this bread represents that body that was broken for you so that you could be made whole. And that my blood that's going to be poured out, this cup, this juice represents my blood, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Those two things, the forgiveness of sins restores relationship. And his broken body heals us. And it's not just about physical healing. The, the word the Bible uses means to be complete, whole, lacking nothing. Not just in your physical life, but in your relationships as well. Because if sin destroyed our relationship with God and our relationship with others, well, then the blood of Jesus will repair both. It'll repair both. It'll restore it. And so what we see on the cross is God pouring out his grace into our lives. He says, I know that you're a sinner. I know that you don't deserve what I'm doing. I know you definitely didn't earn what I'm doing for you. But because I love and my heart is to restore and to heal and to reconcile and to forgive, I love that the scriptures tell us that it is God's heart and desire to forgive, not to hold us accountable for our sins. Can you just stop for a moment and just think about that? How many things have you done that were wrong 
to God and to someone else. And God says, my desire is not to hold you accountable, but to forgive, but to forgive. And so the cross is the grace of God being poured out into our lives. But that grace isn't meant to just stay within us as he pours it out into us. His grace is meant to flow out of us into the lives of those around us. It brings healing to our relationship with him and our relationship to each other. And this month, we've dedicated this month in our prayer focus to be about families. And I just want to encourage you to remember the grace that God has showed you. And no matter what's going on in your family, and our prayer is that everyone's family here is doing wonderful. We pray that your marriages are wonderful. We pray your relationships with your kids are wonderful. But we know the reality is that sometimes they're not. Sometimes life is hard. Sometimes the people that love us the most hurt us the most. And as we come to take communion today, I want us to reflect on the grace that God showed us. I want us to remember the fact that God would rather sacrifice himself through his son on a cross than hold you accountable to your sins. And as we reflect on that, it's meant to draw us into a different way of living, that his followers, that his people would be a people who are quick to forgive. They're quick to work in grace because it's been poured out so richly into our lives through God that what else could we do with it but pour it out into the lives of those around us? And so as we take this today, I'm gonna lead us in communion. I want you to just be prayerful for a few moments. And I want you to just remember the grace that God showed you how much he saved you from, the person you once were, how you're not that person anymore, that God's made you something new in him. He's restored the relationship. The Bible says that you have peace with God. This is so underrated. We have peace with God. I don't have to, because of my faith in Jesus, I don't have to wonder if I'm accepted. I don't have to wonder if I'm loved. I don't have to wonder if God will forgive me again when I mess up again. I have peace with him. There is peace. That's the only thing that exists between me and God because of Jesus and the cross. It's peace. We can have that same thing in our families. We can have that because Jesus died to make us whole, complete, lacking nothing. That's what God wants for us. So I'm just going to encourage you. We're going to just take a moment. I want you to just prayerfully thank God for how he's poured his grace out into your life. And then before we take it, I want you to think of your families. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your relationship with your kids. Maybe it's a relationship with extended family. I want you to think of where you need the grace of God poured out in that relationship. And I want you to thank God that his grace is enough for you. That you can walk in grace and you can walk in forgiveness with those people. That you can walk in love with those people because God did it for you. So let's just take a few moments and pray through that. Presenting the body of Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the body of Jesus. We thank you that Jesus bore our sins in his body, that he took the full weight of what our sins deserved. He allowed himself to be broken so that we could be made whole in every way in our lives. We thank you, God, so much for the grace that was shown to us. And we pray that as we receive your grace this morning in our own lives, that, Father, it would compel us to live this way towards others. 
that we would be healers of the brokenhearted, Father, that we would be menders of broken relationships, Father, that we would take what Jesus has done for us and we would use it to bring healing into other people's lives. We thank you for your great love that was poured out to us in the body of your son. We receive it today by faith in Jesus' name. Let's partake. representing his blood. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. We are made righteous by Jesus' blood and by his blood alone. We are holy because you make us holy. And so we thank you for that grace poured out into our lives. And we pray that as we receive of your grace that makes us righteous in your sight, that, Father, we would go out and extend that same grace to others, Father, that we would be quick to forgive, Lord, help us to do this. We need your help. You told the disciples to forgive seven times, 70 times. They said, increase our faith because they know it's hard work, but it's work that we can do because of you. Help us to remember what Jesus did for us. Help us to remember the, the massive grace poured out into our lives, the forgiveness that you granted us. And Father, help us to extend that to others as we receive it ourselves. We thank you so much that you have cleansed us of all of our sins, Father, and that you're leading us into abundant life through faith in Jesus. We give you praise, honor, and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's continue to worship together, church.
You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. Come on, he'll never let you down. No, he
your heart but he wants every part of you he wants your actions he wants the way you talk he wants how you believe how you use his words he wants every part of who you are but see it stems from the heart if we fully devote our hearts to him and fully give him reign to have your way, Lord, that it's not my desires, it's not my motives, it's yours. But I can say for me personally today, I'll be vulnerable, and I can say for me personally today, he wants my mouth, he wants what I say, and that when I speak, it's life-giving in everything I say, because that's what he does. He doesn't speak doubt. He doesn't speak negative. He doesn't speak the problem. So for me, I'm going to change the words of this bridge. And I'm going to say, if you want my mouth, you got it. Because today I'm going to fully submit. And it's going to be a day of change. So what is it in your life that you need to submit? Is it your actions? Is it your money? Is it your attitude or your mind? Is your mind a playground that the devil just does what he wants? Because today you can submit your mind and have the mind of Christ and think how he wants you to think. First, 
not as an afterthought. So take a moment, what's yours? And I'm gonna sing, if you want my mouth, you got it. And I know that sounds weird, but I'm gonna obey the Holy Spirit. And I want you to sing what yours is. I don't care if it sounds like chaos, because it's not, because this is between me and Christ. This isn't about anyone else, this isn't about other people hearing me. This is between me and my King and fully submitting today. Let's sing that third part. If you want my mouth, you got it, you got it, you got it. If you want my mouth, you got it, I fully submit. You got it, if you want my mouth, you got it. for me was you can have my time. Hmm. Man, we're so selfish, aren't we? With our time. You can have my time, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Everybody doing okay this morning? Amen. It's good to be back in the house of the Lord. It's time for our tithes and offerings, so if you need a tithing or offering envelope, um, you can ask for one. There should be some back in the pew. These guys are there to help you, though, if not. And uh, the scripture verse that I have for this morning is Luke 16, 10. And it says, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. He who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. If you and I are faithful with the 10%, the tithe, the least, which God says is His, then the 90% won't just run through your hands. It will be enough for every need that you have. It will be enough. I know it don't seem like it, but it will. Tithing does several things for you. And I'm gonna mention five real quick. These things that tithing will do for you. Number one, tithing will make you accountable accountable. Pastor Phyllis is laughing. It makes you accountable to yourself and to God. It makes you accountable. Number two, 
To put your tithes aside takes discipline. It takes a lot of discipline sometimes. Tithing requires honesty. It's rough. See, you can deceive anybody you want to. There's a lot of times where Nicole doesn't know what I'm making because of the jobs that I have on the side. So I call that she money because she don't know I got it. And all the men in the house said, amen, Pastor Randy. Yeah, unless their wives are sitting beside them. So you can deceive who you want to, but between you and God, you see it all. You know what you're doing. So tithing requires honesty in our lives. And tithing demands that you are diligent. Diligence. Making sure that you are faithful to set that least part, that 10% aside, every time you get paid. Whether it's an allowance, whether somebody sows something to you, whether it's in your job, whatever it is, setting that first part, the first fruits aside for him every single time takes diligence. Right? It does. Absolutely it does. And when you do those things, Tithing tells God that you are trustworthy. You are trustworthy. We all have had the temptations to say, man, I couldn't work for three days. I was sick. This happened. That happened. I'm going to be short this week. Nope, 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 nope. You put it aside. Put the least aside. It didn't say until or unless this happens or if this, you don't have to. Nope. There's none of that in there. If you are faithful with the least, the 90% will carry you through, no matter the circumstances. It's supernatural. It's all supernatural. Tithing tells God that you are trustworthy. So if he sees you're being accountable, you're being disciplined, you're honest, you're diligent, he will be faithful to trust you with even more. Because it says right here in Luke 16, the 12th verse, it says, And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, the 10% is whose? The least is whose? The tithe is whose? It's God's. It's not ours. If you are faithful in that, in giving God what is His, and remember, He needs nothing from us. He doesn't need a dime from you. You can't do anything to help God. He has it all and owns it all. But it's all about being trustworthy, finding out where your heart is. If he sees that you're doing all these things, then the Bible says, he, he who gives that, then who will give you what is your own? So if you are not giving God what's his, you're not going to get what you need either. So let's be faithful. Let's be accountable. Let's be disciplined, let's be honest, let's be diligent, and let's be trustworthy. We're talking about tithe, but you can use these principles in everyday life as well. Amen? All right, stand to your feet. Praise the Lord. I got about three amens this morning. Hallelujah. <laughs> Father, we come before you this morning. God, I just thank you. Thank you for setting in order what you want in order to bless us in order to multiply us in order to meet all of our needs God we know it's supernatural and we know it takes 
all these things that we just talked about from us. You are waiting. The windows of heaven are open. And God, as we do these things, I thank you that you do your part, that you trust us with the little so that you may give us more, you may give us much, that we can do more for you. God, we thank you for that today. We thank you for multiplying these seeds that are sown today in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on up. Give your tithes and offerings to the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for your giving. We know God's going to give it back to you. Thank you so much for your tithes and your offerings because you know what? We're making a difference in the world today. I have the privilege of coming up here just to share for a few moments. Um, I want everyone to give everyone an update quickly about Peter Dosick Ministries, what we call PDM. Uh, we're getting ready to make our seventh trip to Pakistan on March the 1st. I'll be leaving a week from this Monday, eight days from today. And we're believing God to see between 80 to 100,000 people in front of us. And we're going to be taking one of our sons of faith, Pastor Matt Nichols. Many of you know Pastor Matt. He is about six foot seven, and, and looks like he should be playing left tackle for the Dallas Cowboys. He is a massive man. His heart is as big as he is. I was just with Pastor Matt in Brazil under the PDM umbrella. We saw tens of thousands of lives changed in Brazil because of that. Uh, I shared with the, the church uh, a few months ago, PDM saw 1.257 million people come to Christ last year. And because pastor had this vision to raise people up, I'm projecting we're going to see over 3 million people come to Christ in this year because of Peter Dosick Ministries, because of your prayers, and because of your faithfulness. What I'd like to do is show you a quick video that gives you a little synopsis of what God's helping us to accomplish in Pakistan, and I'm going to come up and share a few things afterwards. Uh, EJ, would you mind showing the video, please?
us that Jesus is interested in our whole being. Command right now that blind spirit in that right eye. gentlemen you saw there if you don't know pastor matt nichols that was pastor matt uh he is a powerful man of god who has been traveling with us since 2018 uh he has seen nearly a million people come to christ through his ministry all by itself but we're excited because we're going to have another opportunity to go this will be our seventh trip to pakistan in the last 28 months as i shared in times past the way we get people to pakistan is we have to bust them there to get the people there safely we have to literally have to take them out of the city get them to a crusade grounds, which we're expecting to see between 80 to 100,000 Muslims in this crusade grounds. And we are using our faith, believe God, for 60,000, at least 60,000 salvations while we're there. So here's the situation. Basically, for every dollar that is sewn into PDM, helps us to bring one person on a bus. And the process is this, that we will take typically about 100 people per bus, and we have a pastor that's on that bus. So when people come to the crusade side, of course, they raise their hand to receive Christ. We get their information. But as soon as they come back on that bus, that pastor immediately follows up on them and says, now listen, did you receive Christ? And if they did, we find out about 80% of those people that come to Christ are in a church that following Sunday. This is the second largest Muslim nation in the entire world. This is not here in the United States. This is not 
you know, in Europe. This is in Pakistan. So the doors, I'm getting concerning signs the doors might be closing. And pastor said this to me. Pastor looked at me in my eyes and he said, Eric, I believe Pakistan is potentially the greatest opportunity I've ever seen in my entire life. He'd been doing this for over 40 years. And as you know, we all love pastor. We all honor pastor. Pastor saw over 8 million people come to Christ that we can count. I think there's probably 10 million more that we didn't, weren't able to count that went to Christ, came to Christ, and he's rejoicing with right now in heaven. And there, you know, so what I want to ask you to prayerfully to do, would you please help us to bus people to get to Pakistan? So literally for every dollar sown, we can bring a person in front of Pastor Matt and pull the nets in. So again, $100 helps us to put 100 people on a bus and bring them to crusade site. $500 helps us bring five buses. $1,000 helps us bring 10 buses. You understand the math from there. Would you pray? We need about $50,000 to accomplish what we want to do here. And I'm excited. We're going to go back again in October. And we believe we're going to be taking Pastor Randy with us. In addition to those big scale crusades, we'll be going into what we call the brick kilns in Pakistan, where there's literally probably close to a, a quarter of a million to 300,000 people living in modern day slavery. And we're going to bring the gospel to them, minister to their children, probably touch multiple thousands in October. We love going to Pakistan. It's hard to get to. It's a little bit dangerous from time to time. I have to hire lots of security with lots of armed guns to keep all of us safe and the crowd safe, but the Lord's helped us to do it. And because the window keeps getting closer and closer, the political situation in Pakistan is very volatile. We're willing to go. I know you. most of you can't go, but you can send us. And I'm just asking, would you prayerfully consider helping us once again so we can win 60,000-plus people to Christ? Would you do that for us? What we're going to do right now, I think the buckets are coming down. We're going to receive an offering this Sunday, and I'm not going to take any more time. Come on down, guys, if you would bring the buckets. And then we're going to receive an offering uh, next Sunday before we go. So many of you might say, Eric, I'm going to pray about what I want to do, and that's completely fine. We know that the quicker we get to see in the ground, the quicker the harvest comes in. So if you have the money, if God's giving you a number right now, you're welcome to give right now. And if God says, I want to talk about this with my spouse, and I'll get back with you, Brother Eric, uh, this coming Sunday, that's fine too. But would you believe God, would you believe God that we can see $50,000 come in? And that includes that course, that covers my expenses of flying there, hotel expenses, crusade costs. I also want to say this too as a little disclaimer. You've been a very good giving church. And there's times in which when we ask for a certain number, more than that comes in. So I want to say this too. If more comes in than that, understand we're going to win souls with it as well. We have crusades coming up in Belgium, in Lithuania, a former Russian country, Latvia, a former Russian country, Nicaragua, a communist nation. We're going to be going places that very few people want to go. But guess what? We're going to do it. And we're going to see over 3 million people come to Christ. Can you, can you agree with me for that? Amen. If you would, if you want to just come down right now, you can give an offering right now into PDM if you like, and you certainly can do it next Sunday as well. Uh, thank you so much for your giving your hearts. I will give your report. Obviously, when we get back, we appreciate you. We couldn't do this without you. Together, we are making a difference in the kingdom today. Amen? Amen. church. Eric had to show that video with my dad in it. Oh, I just stayed busy the whole time, right? It's not bad to remember what you had, but it's bad to think about what you don't have. 
Let's pray. Somebody got a cross I could carry right now. I'm kidding, and we're here we are talking about our number one priority today. Oh, Father, we just come before you in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we just submit our hearts and our minds to you, God. And we just ask you, Lord, to just orchestrate, Father, that which you've purposed in my heart, Father, that I believe the Holy Spirit wants me to share today. Father, help me, God, to not be just a, a, a pastor in an orth, earthly form, but supernaturally infuse the Spirit of God into my lips, my ears, my mind, and my thoughts. God, that I would be used by your spirit to break off the yokes, to just break up fallow ground, Father, that as the word of the Lord would go forth, it would change lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. With that being said, it is good to be back home. Um, It's a privilege to teach you, to, to help equip you to live this life Um, We were on vacation for a couple weeks, uh, and not that I don't love vacation, but I love being home as well. I am a homebody, and uh, God knew that he, when he called us all, he knew that he could call dad to the nations and he could leave and we would hold down the fort because I am very happy being right here in America on American soil. I'll just say that. Um, We're going to continue our series called Back, Back in Order. And a subtitle being that life is better when ordered God's way. If you write nothing down, write that down because it's a thought to live by. Life is better when ordered God's way. And sometimes man has this great, great facilitation that we think we're helping God by ordering our own life. And let me tell you, you're not helping God with anything You're hurting yourself by not living according to his, being dependent solely upon him. He sets our priorities. And and here's the thing. I was doing some some follow-up on this. And as Pastor Kylan spoke to you the first week, he reminded us that God himself is not a priority. He's not something you can put on a to-do list and check him off. He's the one who orders the list. He is the list. All life, all things that we do comes by him, from him, and we live through him to the world and to our families. But oftentimes we think there's something that we ought to do more. I can very simply start a marriage counseling session out and simply ask you, David, on a scale from one to ten, what does your relationship look like with Jesus today? And I'm putting you on the spot, I know. One through ten. One, like one being the worst, ten being the best. What's that look like? Uh, it's a nine. It's a nine. Sharon, what's yours look like from a one to ten? A nine. Okay. So you have 90% of a good marriage, but 10% you could improve. Boom. I say that because... Oh, she needs more than 10%. I see. That's all right, David. This message is for you today. Here's what I'm here to express to you. In every situation of your life, if you will value and gauge what your situation looks like based on your relationship with Christ, because I'm telling you, if it's not good, God's not done with it. If it's not good, then there's one answer that you do. You seek the Lord for the provision of that problem. That's what it is. But we don't. We seek our friends. 
We seek more hours at work to fix our financial problem. We seek a, no a natural counselor for our marriage. I'm not in any way, shape, or form saying that's wrong. But if you're going to a counselor first before you've laid at the feet of Jesus for him to just do some transforming work, that's a problem. That's a problem. God's come to make all things new. Everything we do comes from him, through him, and we live this life because of him. So he's not on your to-do list. However, with that being said, your marriage should be on your to-do list. And I want to speak to some of the singles out there. You know, this has become more aware than, than anything before because of losing our pastor. My mother also lost a husband. So she's a widow. That's the weirdest thing to me. I woke up four days after dad had passed away and I'm like going to mom's house and I'm like, you're single. And she's like, and? I'm like, I just want you to know it just came to my mind, you're single. And she's like, yeah. And immediately it gripped my heart with fear because I'm like, I've never, I, you're, we're not getting another dad, are we? <laughs> like I got some lines. Like I just had to put some boundaries in place. She's like, relax. Relax, this is fine. I'm a widow. I like that word a whole lot better than single. But, but I'm just here to remind you that if you are of the people of God, you are sons and daughters living in a powerful, purposeful life given by God. We are filled with his spirit, the spirit of the living God. See, some people could say it's the Holy Spirit. Let me refine this to you. A part of his spirit in heaven, lives inside of you. What? The Holy Spirit of the Most High God is inside of me. He came down and lives inside and through me. And because of that, I no longer live a natural life. I don't live a natural life as a mother. I don't live a natural life in my job. I don't live a natural life in this pastorship. This is a supernatural life that I'm living out. And I'm living it because the spirit of life himself gave me life, breathed life into me, and now he wants me to breathe it out for the world. That's you. So if our lives aren't good, it's only because we're not accepting the fullness of the spirit of God and allowing it to operate in, through, and for us. And be expelled from us. Do you see? So you are a supernatural being. It changes the way you and I do this life. This is what makes us separate from the world. Listen, listen to this. We are filled with his spirit. And empowered to live a Christ-like life. A Christ-like life. And do it in this earth for our families. And bring glory to God. When we do it his way, not Pastor Nicole's way, not Pastor Randy's way, not any book way you've read. I'm all about Mr. Parrott's books. Those are great. I'm all about his needs, her need books. Those are great too. But it's not about living it according to whatever that guy's, I can't remember his name, Larry someone's name. It's not about living life according to that. It's about living life according to the spirit of God Amen. and what his word says. This is, in this world, it's a very dark time. The world's become lovers of themselves, haters of everything, everything. Everyone who doesn't agree with them, it's contentious, it's fired up, it's already at 90% hate before you even tell them the problem. No, I'm not kidding. 
Everybody's looking for something to fulfill this need. They're looking for somebody to be angry at. They're looking for, to become something. They're looking to love something. They're looking to be loved by something. It's a dark time. But now more than ever, the world needs to see the true bride of Christ. And that's you and I. And if we don't function as families, if we're only full of dysfunction, hate, dishonesty, disunity, not in one accord in our families, in our relationships with others, then how do you think there's going to be glory brought to the bride of Christ? If all we do is fight, bicker, and complain. And the Lord's like, yeah, I don't want a marriage like that. That's broke. Get it fixed. Like even the world can see something that's healthy or not healthy. But yet it seems like the church sometimes wants to hide unhealthy. Does everyone realize why we're here? This is just a hospital for the unhealthy. These are just people that are healthy enough to identify I'm unhealthy. And I need help. And that doesn't make me weak because I need help. Because when I am weak, oh, that's when my God is strong. See, when I become solely dependent upon him, because in my own earthliness, in my own humanness, in my own natural being, I am not enough to be a good wife. I am not enough to raise my children in the abinisher of the Lord and that they wouldn't depart. I'm not enough, trust me. Trust me. See, I'm, I'm a little past some of you young mothers out there. I'm getting my grade card. My grade card's coming in. My kids are old enough to say, well, when I have kids, I'm not doing this, 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 and this. Well, that's your grade card. You know what that means? They think you failed in that area. Here's the problem. I don't care if they think I failed. I did the best I could do and I left the, best up, the rest up to God. He's going to have to fix all that because I can't go back. I can't change how much I controlled them. I thought I was creating an atmosphere that was healthy, that wasn't full of sin. Still to this day, every boy that comes in my house with a book bag, it's getting searched. I'm making sure there ain't nothing in that bag going upstairs. I can't help that. That's just who I was. My dad was going to sew my car in half and leave it on the road if I came home after midnight. I'm like, I'm calling the police. He said, and I'll tell them I did it. He said, but there ain't no girl of mine going to be on the streets at midnight because nothing good happens. Like, oh my gosh. It didn't matter if I was 18 and got out on my own. I was still under his thumb. And so I parented like I was parented. I didn't know that there could be a different way, that I didn't have to saw their car in half. By the way, I didn't saw anybody's car in half. But I'm just saying, the world is looking at us. But it's not a time for passivity as Christians to just allow our life to remain. Oh, it's okay. We're getting through it. You know, I got, I got time to read. I got time to pray. And, you know, our marriage is okay. It's fine. Are you kidding me? Take off your mask. Because that's not true Christianity. That's stopping beyond the mark. That's you living like you want during the week. And then coming to church and acting like everything's a-okay. Listen, it's not a-okay. My marriage ain't a-okay. Your marriage ain't perfect. So quit acting like it. Take off your mask and say these are problems. These are true problems that we're dealing with. And we don't have it all worked out. Right. 
Do you realize that? But passivity will cause us to stay in the place of lack and then tell the world that lack is okay within the church when we teach a Jesus that provided everything we have need of. That's called a hypocrite. That's called a pharisaical view that you think you've got it all worked out and you live your life like you do and then everyone's looking at you going, you ain't got that worked out. Keep working it out. Just say you don't have it worked out. It's okay to fall short because there's enough grace. I loved Pastor Tim's communion message. The world needs to see genuine relationships, genuine marriages, genuine parents that are willing to accept, maybe I didn't do that all right, but this I did really good. And I believe I did the best I could. And God's looking at this more than he's looking at how my performance was with my children. He's looking at your heart. Passivity is not allowed in the church. Leadership must arise from our households. It must. And I'm going to speak to this. I know Pastor Randy talked a lot to the men yesterday. But women, I'm going to be honest with you. If you are home with your children from 8 o'clock till 4 o'clock, the leader of that house is you. Step up and speak life into those children. That is you. You are the leader and the nurturer of your home for those 8 to 12 hours a day. And you've already decided how your children are going to be reared, how your children are going to be raised. And you're joining forces with the leader of your home and you're saying, this is what we've chosen. I'm going to enforce what we talked about. I'm going to enforce what we've prayed about because this child is not like any other child I've seen. It's bad when the daycare calls you and says, Nick, this kid's not learning like the other ones. Guess what that means? I got to go to the maker. I got to go to the maker above my husband and say, Lord, here we come. Randy and I hand in hand going, we don't know. We don't get this kid. Oh, by the way, let me tell you who does get your kid. Jesus. He gets us. And I don't care whether you like the Super Bowl ad, whether you don't like the Super Bowl ad. You can gripe whether Jesus washed the feet of sinners. You can just spit on it all day long. I don't care. But let me tell you something. When no one else gets me, when no one else cares about me, when everyone else has turned their back and walked away, Jesus says, I get you. I get you. You don't know why? Because I put on human flesh to come and walk like you. I put on human flesh so that I could feel like you. And I get exactly where you're at today. I understand what you're feeling. I get how you're thinking. But let me show you a better way. Let me tell you that I came to save you. I came to redeem you. I came to give you life. He gets us. Do you understand that? He gets exactly where every heart of every person in this house is today. Your very struggle, he understands. But he refuses to let you sit there. He came to give you life. Let's go to Corinthians. I want to talk straight to the single, all the single ladies out there today. I have never listened to the fullness of that song. That's just all I've heard advertised. I just want everyone to know that. I hear it's not a good song. All right, 729. I'm going to be reading out of the NLT, and I'm going to jump over. If you want to keep on the screen, you can. It says, but let me say this, dear brothers and sisters. The time that remains is very short. So from now on, those with wives should focus only on their marriage. Hmm. 
jump down to 31. Those who use the things of the world should not, I'm sorry, yes, should not focus only on their marriage. Good answer, Andy. Thank you. If this is what it says. The, oh, this is why I brought these. That's why. Oh, we, now the message changes. Okay. Verse 31. Those who use the things of the world should not become attached to them. For this world, as we know it, will soon pass away. I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. I want to talk today about our first priority, which is marriage. But I don't want to negate the singles who are not married at this time. He just set your priority in order. Now, I'm asking you to hear what we're preaching today because if you're not married, you may become married. This applies for everybody but my mother. (laughs) Just want you to know. She gets to get married when I say she gets to get married. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, Trust me, this will not divide us. It'll be fine. But he specifically tells us our priority if we're single. I look at Loretta. Loretta, you know what? You're allowed to be about the Lord's business at a far greater level than I am. You're allowed to think about him day and night. You don't have to worry about meeting the needs of any other person except your extended family. Family's important. You don't get to lock yourself in a closet. You don't get to stay there for years and years and years and years and never come out and ignore your children that have been, or your aunts, your uncles, your mother, your father, those are healthy relationships, friendships. You want to know? Because you were made to do life with people. You were made that. And don't, singles, I want you to know this. This doesn't mean you're allowed to not have relationships. It means that the relationships you're fostering don't have to be in line next. It means the Lord is the one walking with you. You're constantly submitting and walking with him, constantly submitting underneath his hand and doing exactly what he tells you to do. See, if he tells me to go somewhere on a Tuesday night and my kids got soccer, that's a hard pressed thing. You got to stop an 18 wheel truck with the brakes on so that I can go minister to somebody and do this because I've got all these things that have to be lined up. That's not what your life looks like. You get to stop at the beck and call of Jesus. And let me tell you something. He knows that. He knows that, and he calls on women and men like you and says, I need you to go do this, and it could be all hours of the night. It could be whatever he needs, when he needs it, and how he needs it. And let me tell you something. There's some, some people, it, Randy says this well. He said, all the flies on the outside of the screen, which aren't married, one on the inside. And all the flies on the inside that are married are trying to get out. Here's the problem. Just happy, be happy where you are. And just do the best for Jesus that you can. And for today, you're just going to have to hear the message on marriage because it is our number one priority after Christ. Now, we're going to get in. Matthew 7, chapter. Matthew, the 7th chapter. I want to read this to you. We're going to start here today. Because I think it's still important that you realize what we're building our lives upon. I better put my glasses on. Okay. 
It says, by the way, my topic in my Bible says the wise and foolish builders. I want to be sure I'm on the right side of that reading, by the way. It says, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine, meaning the words that are written in this word, and puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and it beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Now here's what I want to point out today is that people build our lives on a lot of different things. We build our houses on financial worth. How much do you make? Oh, yeah, he doesn't have a really good job. You know, that really affects... These are just conversations I hear. Instead of building their life on the value placed in God. People build their lives in society. I grew up in a small town where everyone's name mattered. And let me tell you something, the guidance counselor wasn't coming to Nicole Dosick, I'm sorry, Nikki Dosick, to find out what she wanted to be in life. She was going to all the kids that had already had parents in higher education because she was putting her bolts and nuts over there going, these people are going to college. That one right there, nope, she ain't got it. You know what my major was in high school? Home ec. You want to know why I took home ec? So I could eat every day. That's how much time the guidance counselor spent with me. Because I didn't have the right society portrait. I wasn't that kid. My dad and mom, they were both working mom and dads. That's just how it worked. And that's the way it was. There was no stay-at-home mom teaching me the curriculum before we went to school. It was, did you read your homework? And if you didn't, you're going to get beat when you get home. Like, it was that simple. Like, it was on. There's people who build their life on beauty. You ever met that person? She's got her nails done. She's got her eyelashes done. She just puts her life in beauty. I'm giving you a joke. It's not me, but I'm saying that. It matters. And what they do is they, they, they're consumed with what everybody thinks of them. Everybody thinks of them. They walk around in this fake facade all the time that everything's just perfect. They eat lots of these people match their clothes. Randy, stand up. I'm just kidding. Wanted to make sure we didn't match today. We did not get dressed together. My point is they care about how they're perceived. Not really anything that has to do with anything that's in their heart. It's the way they're perceived amongst their peers. And as long as that's okay, they can live like devils outside of the church. But when they're in the church, as long as they're put together in this pretty package and all their highlighters in the right place and their makeup's done perfect, then they can put on the facade and feed an inside less of a value system, but feed their inside lie that everything is okay. When really everything on the inside is busting apart. It's just in shrapnel. If you ask the right question in that moment, they will just break and cry and just begin pouring out their heart because it's so broke. And then there's the people that build their life upon education. As you know, how perfect and how smart they are and how educated. And I'm going to be honest with you. I applaud the kids that can find out what X is and what Y is. I applaud that. I really gave up. I don't care. 
I'm going to be honest with you, that fraction thing, if I could get through the measuring cups in home ec, I was good. But once they started me to ask me to read that tape measure, I'm getting a digital form. I don't need that anymore. I don't need to know those lines on that digital tape unless Y2K happens all over again and we don't have any computers to help us. My point is, can the kid that's educated that knows how to find X, that knows how to find Y, that knows how to understand how much mass is in a cylinder, whether it's liquid, solid, or, or chemical, I don't care. Do they know why Jesus died for them? Can they tell you why they're going to heaven? Can they tell you why they won't? Because if they can't, then it doesn't matter that they can explain why in a fraction or an ex, whatever they call that thing, exponential something, I don't even know. I'm just, math was not my subject. Exponent, that's what it was. I don't care. See, God's people, you, me, when we build our lives upon the rock, that's the plan for us. But when you don't, trust me, the rain is coming. If it hasn't hit your house yet, it's coming. Your kids will make a mistake. Someone's going to be on drugs. Someone might fall into alcohol. Someone might have premarital sex. Guess what? If you build your house on the rock, when the shaking comes, when the rain comes, at the end, you're going to be standing. I'm not telling you flower pots might not be on the front porch. I'm not telling you that all your clothes are going to be hung up perfect in your closet the way you ordered them. You're going to make it. When sickness and disease comes to your house and tells you that you've got an incurable disease and you're going to die, guess what? You're going to make it. When someone you love dies unexpectedly and you don't understand, it's going to happen. It's going to shake. Look. It's going to shake. It's going to fall. But look. <sighs> okay, it's good. It's good. I'm still standing. It's good. Good. Why? Because you were built on the rock. You were built on the words of the word. You were built on the Holy Spirit, which is telling you this is the order you live your life. Pastor Mike. You're still standing, buddy. You're still standing. It's all right. It's all right. We will stand. And we're going to make it through what the enemy brings our way. Let's go to Genesis, the second chapter. God defines his order very strongly for us. And why marriage is so important. I might touch on some toes this morning or step on some. I don't mean to. I want you to understand this is done with the utmost respect to every sex out there, male and female. Here's what the word says. Second chapter, 18th verse. It says, then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose for the, a name for each one. By the way, this is God asking man to come create with him. Isn't that beautiful? Adam, just speak it and I'll name it. You say it out. Doesn't matter. Nothing sounds too stupid. Caterpillar. <laughs> Whatever. He gave names to all the livestock for the birds of the sky and all the wild animals. But 
Still, there was no helper just right for him. So I did a little bit of research. What does helper mean in the Hebrew? Here's what it says, and I'm going to do my best to pronounce it right. Azar Kinetico. It's mentioned 22 times in the Old Testament. And most of the times, except in these two and two other times, it is the exact same spelling and it's mentioned. And it's referring to a life or death situation. And it's referred to as only Yahweh can come save it. Do you understand that God looked at man and realized that if I don't intervene, this is not a good situation. Now, by the way, let me, re- let me refer to something. In the first chapter, the chapter before this, God has already said that then God said, this is 126, and God said, let us make mankind in our image. Did he say, let us make man? Mankind in our image. So that was more than one. In our likeness. So that they, that's plural, but he's only made one. Does God know he's going to make Eve or is she an afterthought? Come on. This is, this is what society tries to tell you. Society tries to tell you that woman was an afterthought because God didn't do it right the first time. I don't believe that at all. My God knows the end from the beginning. He knows all things. Now, was there a purpose and a plan that he had to reveal to Adam? I don't know. We don't have all the type. This is a mystery in the scripture. But I'm going to tell you, this is no way, no reason, no shape or form for a woman to be belittled as a secondary thought of God when the entire New Testament is written to reconcile the less than to the greater. Do you realize you and I are Gentiles, not Jewish people? We are not God's chosen people. We are the afterthought. I'm not an afterthought. I'm a Gentile who said yes to Jesus, and now I have the same rights as the Jewish children, and now I'm a child of God. There's no way that my God made man and looked at him and went, well, I'm going to give you something subpar to help you out. I'm going to give you something a little less than you, but it's going, it's going to be a good comparison. No, the word helper means hmm, rescuer. What? A rescuer. In other words, Adam's not going to make it if I don't send something to fix this situation. And Eve wouldn't make it without Adam. Do you understand? He made something comparable. Randy, stand up. You're my husband. I just want to preface that for the world. Let let me show you something. Do you see his body profile? No. So masculine that it is. Now, every part Randy has an indent, I have an extremity. Look. You see that? Yeah, feels good too. Okay, I asked for that already. I am his counterpart in every single way. Everywhere he has an indent, I have something else. Where he has an extremity, I have an indent. Why? Because God needed them to come together as one to fulfill his purpose. Not to fulfill your purpose. And not to fulfill my purpose. But to fulfill our purpose. Woo! 
We didn't plan that. That's just how fun it is. Listen, the world has taught. And listen, the Old Testament, if you look at it, God spent the entire Old Testament bringing value to women, bringing value to their place in a household. Look, there are divine distinctive roles. And I'm okay that I'm the nurturer. I'm okay that I'm the one that cries. I'm okay that I don't have as many muscles as you do. That means you take the trash out because it's too heavy for me. I'm okay with that. Do you get that? Why are we struggling? It doesn't mean because we have different roles that we are not equal in God's eyes. There's no Jew, there's no Greek, there's no bond, there's no free, there's no woman, there's no male. Why can we not see this? Yet we're still straining on gnats. No one's better than the other. Two individual people with their own ideas, their own dreams, their own thoughts, their own roles. Listen, how how do you tell a man that his wife makes $90,000 a year and he makes twenty? dollars Because one chose to know what X and Y meant and one chose they didn't care. How do you tell that man that you have to go provide for a family and the woman has to stay home with her children when they're okay in that role switch? How? How can you say that? That child is still being nurtured. They're still being nurtured. This is the unity of male and woman. And if that doesn't look the way it looks to you, that's okay. As long as they're operating under the Holy Spirit and under that covering and putting their marriage first. This is huge in the big picture. Here's what the word says. Keep going on. Just right for him. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man, the Lord God, took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made the woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. And Adam says, at last, the man exclaimed, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Let me ask you this. If it's bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, then how can it be less than? Do I have any part of my body that's not as important as the other? Come on, guys. Where did our ability to just ask good, solid questions come from? She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why man leaves his father and mother. Number priority one. Did you just see that? This is why a man leaves his mother and his father and does what? Cleaves to his wife. He is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. And I know that's Randy's probably favorite scripture out of the entire Bible. (laughs) I think when all of our kids leave, he might have a naked room. (sighs) Just kidding, just kidding. Listen, our job as husband and wife is to help the other reach their full, full, full capacity and commitment to Jesus. See, when Randy is weak, I'm the one pushing him and saying, honey, this is where we need to go. Look, look, this is good. This is good. Let's just get right back to here. This is a safe space. When I'm the one that's failing and wailing, he's like, it's okay, I got you. Just lean. 
Just lean, I got this. This is what we do one for another. Do you realize that you are the biggest influence of your spouse? You can make or break your spouse's relationship with Jesus. You can push them to the Lord, or I hate to use the word, you can walk with them to the Lord, or you can pull them away from the Lord. You get that? We learned that last week about Lot. Lot's wife, Lord have mercy having a wife like her. I mean, of all things, God saves her, and yet she's still turning around looking, turns into a pillar of salt. I don't know, that's pretty bad. The priority is that they were joined together, united as one. You know, Lincoln and Grace got married just recently, and he just straight out served us notice. Don't be meddling in our marriage. I'm like, we're not going to be meddling, bro. I don't want anything to do with it. It's fine. He's like, I just want you to know, if we need counsel, we're not coming to you. I said, well, I, I didn't think you were. He said, well, I'm not coming to Tony and Kathy either. That's Grace's parents. He said, I'm not going there either. I said, okay, okay. Well, do you have somebody lined up? Well, I got some people, yeah. I said, okay, just make sure they're not your friends. Because your friends aren't going to counsel you. You need a true marriage that's been involved for a while, and they can walk you through some things. Yeah, they go into mom-mom. Is that where they're headed? Yeah, I see, I don't even know. It's all right. He's cleaving to his wife, and he's making her a priority. And that's hugely important. Let's talk about what priority means. It says that it's to regard that more than you regard anything else. How many of us treat our spouse like they're the most regarded out of everything we do? Or is it our job? Is it our hobbies? Wives, is it when your children walk in the room, your face lights up, but when your husband does, you frown? No, I'm, I'm talking straight. Like, it's real easy to love something or someone that loves you unconditionally, and that's children. But it takes a whole lot more of the Holy Spirit and a whole lot more of Jesus to love something that often brings you friction, that often brings an abrasion to you. Why? Because he's taking off the rough edges. He's making you better. He's turning you into Christ. He's making you love a little deeper, serve a little longer. Men, you're having to talk a little longer. You're having to touch outside of sexual touch. You're having to give affection because she needs it. She's soft. She's tender. She needs gentleness. You see? Do we regard our spouses? I think that the thing that I was talking with Ashley the other day, and she said, you know, Nicole, she said, I was talking to her about when we had kids, how I felt like there was no time for my husband. And she said, you know, I think I've learned that through my marriage that it's not about how much time I get with Andrew, but how much quality I get when I have the time. See, priorities are not about eight hours. So I got to spend eight hours with Jesus, eight hours with my spouse, eight hours with my kids, and eight hours at work. It's not about equal time. It's about my mind, even though I'm working and punching these parts, my mind is set up on my priorities. And oftentimes I'm reminiscing over scripture throughout my day because I'm learning about the things of God and I want to meditate on his word day and night. But the, it also might mean that 
about a half hour before work's over, I got to start thinking about my spouse who's at home, who's been with four children, who's exhausted, who's got flour on her face. She sweats. She hasn't had a shower. She's got puke on the other shoulder. And she's just going to need me when I walk in that door to just go, baby, I got this. You go do what you need to do. Daddy's home. I got this. Come on, babies. Let's start eating dinner. Mom's going to take some time to herself. You see? It's not about quality time, like time for time. It's about that your mind is focused. And let me say this, women, you are notorious, or any male that's staying home with children, you must reserve time and energy for when your spouse comes home. This is hard. Because, see, I'm an all-in girl. I'm an all-in. If you say we're stacking wood, we're stacking wood. I'm coming to stack wood. I'm not thinking about the soreness tomorrow. I'm not thinking about getting injured. I'm not thinking about water. I'm showing up to stack wood and we're going to stack it till it's done. When I show up to be a mother, I show up to be a mother and I'm all in. But the problem is, is sometimes my wife, my husband would come into that environment and he just needed to be acknowledged but I've got no energy left. I've got no nothing. I'm fresh tapped at eight (sighs) o'clock. My kids are asleep. I'm waiting for them to sleep so I can sleep. But your husband's has needs. We as spouses must be sure that we're conserving and saving back a little portion that our husband or our wife gets when they get home, even though we've poured ourselves out at our job. Maybe you're an entrepreneur. It is your job. It's your life. It's everything about you. You know what? Those are hard places to be. But with Holy Spirit, he takes this natural ability and turns it into a supernatural cause. Husbands and wives, when you set your marriage as the priority, here's what happens. You begin to work one to another. Here's what's happening. If you don't agree with something, remember, unity is very important, right? Amos 3.3 tells us that if we can't walk one with another where there is no unity, there's nothing good. We know going back to the Acts, to Pentecost, that in the moment of what that was, that it was unity, it was one accord, and the presence of God was there. If we're not walking in one accord together, when we do these things called life with our spouse, listen, the Holy Spirit's not with you. He's not with you. And now you're doing it in a natural way. But the second you remember that you are of a supernatural place and you remember that the Holy Spirit's with you, you're no longer looking at that contentious place in your marriage. You're no longer looking at that the same way because you now have supernatural eyes to see. You have supernatural ears that when your spouse begins to pour out their heart about a situation, you're not listening to what they're saying. You're interpreting by the Holy Spirit what they mean. How many of us could use the ability to interpret what our wives are saying? It's like you're talking like this foreign language to me. I don't understand. Tell me what it is that you really need from me. Same way with men. All you know to do is just touch, squeeze, give a little tighter. It'll all go and work out. No, sometimes touching and squeezing me doesn't work. Sometimes I need you to just sit eye to eye and go, look, I really don't understand what you mean, but I'm here listening. And God's going to help me understand. 
God's going to help us get through this. The other day I was struggling. I was a little bit of, mm, I'll, I'll call it mourning, he calls it. I said it was grief. He said, it's not grief, it's mourning. You're not allowed to say you're grieving. I said, okay, I'm not grieving, I'm mourning. But I thought that was 30 days in the Bible and now we're supposed to be over that. And I'm just crying. He just keeps going around his business. Does he not hear me? Is he not listening to me? Does he not know I need him right now? You know what? This guy go up and grab his hand. Honey, it's just a rough day. I don't have to even say it. He knows what rough day means right now. And that has to be enough. I don't know what I need. I don't even know that he knows what I need. But I know someone who knows what I need. That's right. Did you see that? Yes. I saw you in the corner what? of my eye. I got eyes in the side of my head. <laughs> Sometimes not saying nothing says something. It's mm, good. It's good. Sometimes staying quiet says a lot to your spouse because you don't know what to say. He's not fixing it. Did you hear that? He didn't want to fix it because you can't fix it. Only the Holy Spirit can fix it. In closing, Ephesians 5, 25, 21 begins to talk about us submitting our lives to one another. And I want to bring this out again because I just want to tear down the walls of, of women and men is that it says lots of times people want to start in 522 where it says, wives, submit yourselves. But in Ephesians 521, Though it's not chaptered together like you think it should be. It says submitting oneself to each other. Submitting oneself. He's talking about this preface. And then it's like, and here's an example. Wives, submit yourself to your husbands. Like Christ does, like you do to the Lord. And then husbands, here's an example. Like you are to love her like Christ loved the church. And God put the church... Not second, not after my job, not after my kids, first. Here's what I close with today. It's not easy. Marriage is not easy. I told a young man this the other day. I said, sometimes men want to fulfill, men and women want to fulfill their own needs through hobbies through their job, through these other sources because they're not getting their needs met through their spouse. But you as a spouse must make sure that before you start doing all these other things, if you'll just look at your spouse's need meter, if you'll just look and you see it a little bit down, you just fill it up before that fishing trip. You fill it up before that day you go shopping with the girls. You fill it up before you decide to spend four days with Jesus because you're going to get away and just find out what he wants for your life. You'll never have a problem. But if you leave that glass this far down from the top, by the time you get back from doing what you're doing, another half a glass is done evaporated. And the needs of your spouse is going unmet. And we can't think, women, I'm going to talk right to you. 
Your children are important, and they have a lot of immediate needs. But the immediate needs of your children cannot, you cannot always think, well, my husband's mature enough, he can wait. He can wait. Your children need to see. You say, it's 8 o'clock, honey, and it's bedtime. I'm not tired. I don't want to go to bed. You know what? Then you're going to read until you fall asleep. But from 8 to 9, this is daddy's time. This is daddy and mommy time. And we got to talk about our day. We got to talk about what we're going to do tomorrow. I got to kiss your daddy and tell him I love him. I got to remember why we made people like you. (laughs) You understand? Because what you're doing is you're preaching to your children the value of marriage. Ask yourself, do you want your children to marry somebody like you? Is that the best? Do you want your boys to marry a woman like you? Or do you want your daughters to marry a man that pays attention to her like you? You know, fathers have this amazing gift of making their daughters feel so special. And then they walk into these marriages, and the guy's just not about making them feel special. He's like, well, I didn't get my oil changed, so I'm not changing yours. I mean, Lexi came home the other day. She said, somebody filled my tank with gas. I said, or did her oil change? I said, well, it wasn't me. And she said, well, maybe it was dad. No, we didn't do it. We don't know how it happened. I know it's not her boyfriend. He's not home. Said from the horse's mouth. Life is better when it's ordered God's way. Stand to your feet this morning. I just want to say that I made today's message more about the priority of marriage than the fixing of your marriage. And there's a reason for that. This weekend is our marriage seminar. And you can come here about unity from intimacy, how to be intimate. It's just this beautiful thing. We just did Kenton's last Friday. It was beautiful. And it was a wonderful, wonderful marriage seminar. Listen. When you show up to things that include your marriage, you're not admitting you're broke. You're just saying you want to do this better. See, I want my marriage to get richer. I don't want it to get more shallow throughout the years. How many marriages do you know that once their kids leave, they wake up next to each other and like, I don't even know why I married you. Because they built their life around their children and not each other. See, I'm going to be with this man the rest of my life. And I'm going to be with Jesus the rest of my life. My kids are going to come and go. I hear they come back. No, I'm kind of glad they're not coming back right now. I think my mom might come back for a little bit. I'm not sure. Anyways. (laughs) Rand's drawing the line there. He's like, nope, she's getting married before she come back. I know you're not getting married. I already know. I already know. She said, one, to be in love one time in your life is plenty. And God gave me the best, so why do I need to go a second round? Amen? Father, we just come before you in the name of Jesus. And Father, we give you our lives. Father, we don't only have you first in our lives, Father, as the giver and the author of life. But Father, we give you our marriage. We give you the leadership of our homes. God, we unite our hearts one with another. Spouses, grab the hand of, of your spouse right next to you. 
I'm going to tell you what I told you last week. God's doing a work in the marriages in this church. I know it. God spoke it to us both. But I believe he's bringing it to a culminating point for this weekend. And I don't know what that looks like. I just sensed that the spirit was moving last week before Randy's message. I know there's an anointing on our church to restore marriages. God spoke it. And I don't think you have to have a perfect marriage in order to do the will of God to restore a broken one. What I believe is it's the Holy Spirit that restores the broken place. Some of us have been married a really, really long time. And some of us have been going in the same cyclic behavior for a really, really long time. And it looks normal. You know, you've learned to navigate around it. You've learned to accept certain things rather than putting pressure to the hard places. To accept those failures, to accept those weaknesses, and to continue to live those in place of this world shows that God's only getting glory for certain things. I want to give God glory for all of it. I want him to look at my marriage and I want the world to go, that's a reflection of Jesus. That's the reflection of the church. Do you get that? I'm Randy's bride. So the way he treats me is equivalent to the way Jesus treats the church and vice versa. When wives, we submit underneath that beautiful authority and we say, honey, you know, I'm good with that. I don't have to be right in this. Why are we fighting for the allowance to be right? Why are we fighting for the headship of our home? We don't have to fight for it. When my husband serves the Lord and submits himself under it, I'll follow him anywhere. Let's visit the hard places. Let's dig down deep and find those places that we don't want to talk about, we're uncomfortable about because we've talked about them a hundred other times. This time, let's do it with the spirit of the living God in the center. And we may leave that conversation and not have the answer. We may have to go to more fasting and more prayer. But what I know is that I've given room for the Holy Spirit to begin to re-identify the way I see my husband, the way I hear my husband, the way I walk with my husband. God wants it beautiful. He wants it so beautiful but we can't avoid the hard things because with the Holy Spirit's help, he's going to transform it. Some of us don't have our relationship with Christ right. I want to be sure today that we don't leave this place without an altar call today. Like some of us need to be intentional about living our best life with our spouse we need to be intentional about living our best life with Christ. And you're like, Pastor Nicole, I I can't put my marriage in order because I don't have that first one ordered up yet. I'm still living according to the way I want to live and what feels good to me, not what God's asking me to do. I'm going to ask you to be intentional today and to search your heart and say, God, I want to live life the correct way. I want to put my life in order. I want to have it ordered by you because I know it's better. But how? How? I don't even know where to start. It starts just by accepting Him as Savior of your life. 
You need a helper. You need the comforter. You need Jesus to wash away your sin. And then he gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit who will help you. And he'll walk with you through the highs, the lows, the goods, the bad, through failure, through success. That's what he does. And he does it far better than any of us humans can do. But we'll do our best to help and to love you accordingly. If you're here today in this house and you're like, I want to know Jesus. I want to make him the order of my life. I want to put him above everything else in my life. And that's you. Then just slip up your hand to me. Yes, 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 yes. Praise God. Praise God. And yes. Praise Jesus. Prayer team, you got those four? We're going to pray an all-inclusive prayer today. But those of you that raised your hand, there's going to be a person coming to you. And they're going to meet you where you are. And they're going to get your name. And they're going to start helping you walk through some things in the church. We're going to start discipleship with you. Because it's not enough to just tell you about this Savior that wants to forgive your sin. But it's we're going to help you walk with Him. We're going to tell you what's next in your life. And we're going to start to get around you as a family. And we're going to start to love on you and to ensure that you succeed. Every head bowed in this house today. And let's just all say this prayer together. And after you say this prayer, girls, you will be saved. Say, Heavenly Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. I denounce the devil and all your works. I believe that Jesus died and rose again on the third day for me. I accept that today, Jesus. And I'm going to live for you. In Jesus' name. Now, if any of you that said that prayer today for the first time, if someone doesn't approach you after church, I'm going to be down front. Pastor Randy and I and all of our prayer team is coming down. And every marriage here today If you want prayer for something specific, we're going to pray for you. I'm asking every pastor in the house and our prayer team to come forward. And I'm asking that we would lay hands on these marriages that need something specific. I believe God's working and going to do some things this weekend. But if you cannot be here this weekend, you need to be in this prayer line. Because we want to touch the marriage and the priority of God on your life. And we're going to watch him do a work. We believe there's an anointing to heal that which is broke in your families and only believe is a part of that. Come down, pastors. Prayer team, come down. Don't forget, if you gave your life to Jesus, is there anyone that's not been approached yet? Okay, I see those girls gone. That's gone. And girl, I got her. We'll get her after. Yep, the red is with her. Okay, so we've got them. All right, good. Praise the Lord. If you want prayer in your marriage, we are here. If not, Father, we thank you for this family of faith. We thank you for these people. And God, we just ask that you would watch over them and keep them as they go in their way. Keep them safe. Father, bring someone, someone to their life this week that they could share the gospel with and share their faith and invite to church that they could be invited to be a lover of you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. We'll see you on Wednesday night, church.